0: Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Ghanus-Malka. Welcome to Humanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, and much more. Joining us today is Dr. Joyti Bajpai, who is a professor of medical oncology at the Tata Memorial Center in Mumbai, India. And Dr. Namine Mustafa, who lectures clinical oncology and early detection at the Shams University in Cairo, Egypt. They have recently coordinated the inaugural Global Women for Oncology Summit, GLOWS. And during the course of today's discussion, we'll hear more about the motivation behind the summit and its outcomes, And rather than focusing on oncology per se today, we'll be addressing some of the components that women experience in terms of navigating in this field as a career. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Malka. And uh, indeed, this is a
0: great opportunity.
1: Uh, I would say that uh, you have given a very, very positive and robust voice to GLOS, which is very meaningful to us.
2: Uh, thank you so much. I'm so honored to participate in this well-reputable program with you and with my mentor and uh, always inspiring me, Professor
0: Lutz. To start the show, just to share a, a bit of information on oncology, it's a branch of medicine which deals with the study, treatment, diagnosis, and prevention of cancer. And according to some statistics from the World Health Organization, they noted that cancer is a leading cause of death worldwide, accounting for nearly 10 million deaths in 2020 or nearly one in six deaths. And the most common types of cancers are breast, lung, colon, rectum, and prostrate cancers. But importantly, out of this, they mentioned that many cancers can be cured if detected early and treated effectively. So with that said, as, as a base of oncology, I'd like to turn to Dr. Vajpayee, and if you can just tell us about your personal choices for pursuing a career in oncology. So I think uh, this is a great question. And um, I
1: would say that as a child, uh, you know, I always wanted to do something which is challenging rather than, you know, easy things. And uh, till the time I was doing my MBBS, you know, that is a graduation in medicine, as you're aware, or even... Uh, My specialization like MD medicine, MD in general medicine here as uh, we do in in India. You know, by that time, the oncology was not a thing which most of the people know or uh, were really worse with that. And majority of the times, uh, you know, uh, people who are coming with a cancer diagnosis, there was very little hope. And uh, it was extremely challenging to see those families, those patients, i was deeply interested in neurology and endocrinology as well but then uh, i thought perhaps this is much more challenging and need need is there uh, this is a very niche area and i i should do something to improve upon patients life in this uh, this kind of branch
0: well there's certainly a need as the statistics have shown and the the variety of of cancers that humanity experiences and uh, Dr. Mustafa, please tell us about your reasons for pursuing a career in oncology. You know, um, I picked this specialty.
2: I always love internal medicine and I want something refined speciality coming out of internal medicine without the emergency and the hectic night shifts. And to hire an academic position in my university, you know, we have like a matching program and my scores was matching with oncology. So first I picked oncology for this reasons, but when I start my residency, I loved oncology. It's very evolving specialty, very dynamic, challenging. You know, Uh, it's not depressing specialty as people said. My family told me, why did you pick up oncology? It's very depressing. You were dealing with terminal cases, but no, when I start you have the bright side, you have people who cure um, out of the tragedy of cancer. Definitely, you'll find the best of the people from the caregivers. Daily, we, we have a new lesson in life, in medicine, with the oncology. And I fell in love with oncology when I started my residency.
0: And uh, Dr. Mostafa, staying with you, what would you say the ratio of oncologists to people who experience cancer is in Egypt? Oncology is one of the evolving uh,
2: specialty, even in Egypt. You know, we are doing a lot of um, improvement in the infrastructures with the cancer management, diagnosis, treatment, the radiotherapy machines. We are having now the proton machine, which is one of seven machines all over the world. Um, there is massive <laughs> development in this specialty in Egypt. Um now we are having a very massive presidential campaign to raise awareness about screening, uh, to match with the international uh, campaigns to eradicate the non-communicable diseases, including the cancers, uh, to treat hepatitis C, which is the main factor of uh, hepatocellular carcinoma, which is one of the commonest cancers in Egypt. Um We are having improvements in the cancer registry. We are doing a lot to improve uh, the cancer registry. We were having a shortage about recording the cases, the mortality cases. We don't have actual um, statistics about the cases in our country. They are evolving in cancer registry. Also, they are trying to do um, improvement in the palliative care. You know, it's a very integral part in management of the terminal cases. We have a shortage in this branch. And um, my country, the Ministry of Health, are doing huge efforts to improve this part, which is
0: really important in our uh, speciality. And uh, Dr. Bajpai. India, a massive, massive population, 1.4 billion and growing. Please, can you tell us about the types of, of demands and, and needs for oncologists in India?
1: Right. So I would say a very meaningful question uh, you asked. And, uh, you know, as, as you know, India itself actually encompasses many regions, which itself is kind of many countries put together. It's a vast country with the uh, variations all over. And these variations are also in terms of infrastructure care, etc. as well. So I belong to a tertiary care cancer center, which is one of the lead center in Southeast Asia, model Center. but if you go in remote peripheries, the care is uh, much, much different. So I would say, uh, you know, there is a lot of progress in India, but still, uh, you know, we have to do a lot, lot more. So, so till the last statistics, you know, the ratio of trained oncologists. To the the population suffering from cancer is one is to two thousand, which is quite some. And if we you compare that times the statistics with US, it was one is to hundred. So uh, you know a lot and lot more uh, was required. So in between years there was lots of programs. The government has taken lots of steps to strengthen. Cancer care, the national programs the for cancer care et cetera and I'm sure that uh, this deficit is definitely decreased, but uh still uh you know there is lot to uh, dose I would say miles to go before I sleep is absolutely true here also one of the problem here is that uh discrepancies because you know some of the people they have um you know F, you know all sorts of i would say uh they are insured also paying capacity. Uh, they can afford everything, while another sector, which is, uh, uh, you know, not so much privileged, they have lots of problems because insurance is not complete. And majority of the time, patients are paying from their own. So government is doing a lot of, uh, you know, activities to support these uh, below poverty line people or these underprivileged class.
0: But uh, still, I would say there is a lot of things which is required in this field. That's an incredible statistic, 1 to 2,000 in comparison to America, 1 to 100. Today, we're talking to Dr. Joyti Bajpai, who is a professor of medical oncology at the Tata Memorial Center in Mumbai, India, and Dr. Namin Mustafa, who is a lecturer of clinical oncology and early detection at the Shans University in Cairo, Egypt. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. One of the things that fascinated me when we were having the the conversation and participating in the summit, there was a regional focus, I recall, with uh, different women representing different uh, provincial areas from India. And some of the points they spoke about really stood out for me. So given that there is absolutely a huge demand for oncologists, but the fact that as women, some of the barriers that they had was patients coming into the room, seeing that it was a female doctor serving them and pretty much walking out the room. And stepping into the shoes as a woman into a, a sector, which is traditionally being governed by men, it, it's almost as though the environment wasn't created for women. So if I could ask you both just to reflect on some of the gender challenges that you've experienced in your foray into oncology and, and medicine, please go ahead, Dr. Mostafa. Yes.
2: You know, definitely being a woman put you in a certain position. You cannot be a leader, you you can be at best second position, but the first position always belongs to men, especially in our countries, our cultures, which is male dominating environment. Uh, We are facing a lot about this gender bias. You have to be the woman, the mother, uh, the daughter, you have special restrictions. So um, one of the challenges that we are facing on, on the social level, how to come out of from this taboo that that you are a mother, that you are a woman, uh, and you can be a successful doctor. As you said, that the patients sometimes when they are, they are asking me personally, I need a male doctor. <laughs> they don't convince with the female doctors that they can be smart, intelligent, and good.
0: This is one of the main challenges that we are always facing. Thanks for sharing that insight and also demonstrating the fact that women have to wear multiple hats and balance their roles simultaneously. Dr. Bajpai, if you can share some of the challenges that you've encountered. So, again, uh, you know, very relevant question.
1: And, um, uh, you know, this is a reality. And uh, I would say that people from different culture different uh, region there are differences in thinking and uh, how their upbringing was i feel that uh, childhood is very important and that time what kind of practices they learned from their mother father and your environment that that really dictates because i have seen some of the very uh, forward uh, forward appearing, I would say, uh, you know, very wise looking people who carries a lot of subconscious biases, if not conscious or not very apparent towards women, while uh, contrary, some people who do not look so, uh, you know, polished or so Uh, you know wise but they they have that kind of respect towards a woman because they were probably actually read in their early childhood by the mothers or fathers that way so that one of the point I uh, really very strongly believe that uh, upbringing is very important and very early we need to make learn our next generation that uh, you know there is not uh, so much stereotyping which is needed also, you know, a, a difference which I faced always because I was used to be very affirmative right from beginning in my childhood. I wanted to be uh, in a lead position and uh, I tried to do, you know, whatever best it took me. So I faced a lot of challenges right from the beginning of my childhood. Because as you say, societal perception is, oh, perhaps a, a boy would do better. If uh, she can, she will be a class monitor. Oh, isn't it a boy would do better? Then I wanted to prove that no, I can do it better in every part. But you know what I felt that um, being a woman and lead position, if you really want to rise the ladder, you face definitely challenges and you need to prove yourself multiple times for a single position. So that is my experience altogether, I would say. Uh, and uh, there are definitely some supportive people, but uh, a large majority will take first at a, as as a pinch of salt. And then they try to validate multiple times that, oh, really, is it true? Because she's a woman. And then also, is it possible? But uh, if you have fire in your belly, you can do that and you can prove that. So, So never, ever give up. That's what my message to all my people and also you know if you rise the ladder you got some uh, of that power position your i i definitely and want to underline your duties to support few more women colleagues because they also need to be supported to come to that level so i think if as a um, rising women leaders uh, people start feeling this uh, i think we will be able to handhold each other and uh, gradually the stigma will uh, kind of move out. One another thing, you know, in oncology is that uh, people feel this is a very aggressive branch and whether women are able to do it uh, that well. So, uh, you know, when I joined the residency in oncology, I still remember a very senior person. At that time, there are, or, there are only uh, one or two, uh, you know, women resident in the department. So he categorically asked me, are you a woman who gets uh, afraid of blood or, uh, you know, a lot of... Sad news or breaking breaking bad news, etc. Then this is not a field for you. And I said, no, I'm not a person who's
0: afraid of blood. Uh, I'm a person who can uh, get to uh, cure, etc. Those are fantastic insights. One of the things that I've always found for me is that. Culture is dynamic, and that means that we have got opportunities of being able to change it so that the next generation, or even our current generation, don't have to carry the burden of what we experienced and can move forward with with fewer constraints. On that note, this brings me through to the summit that you coordinated, the the Global Women for Oncology Summit, which was held on the 5th of August and really spread out across the world for women from different countries to to join. Some of the topics entailed how to survive a political world, how to break the glass ceiling, the importance of networking, how to say no effectively, and the value of mentorship and sponsorship. So please share with us how did the idea of the concept come about and, and what motivated you to Coordinated, uh, Dr. Mustafa, please lead the conversation. Yes, really. What was um,
2: impressive about uh, the glows uh, that it was a global, interactive, one of a kind, representing the whole co- every continent. You know, it was representing Africa, South Africa, North Africa, and Asia, Europe, South America, North America. The whole globe was very well represented in the speakers, in the invitees, in the panelists, the participants. Every continent was very well presented. So I can say, honestly, it was global, one of a kind representing the women related gender issues. You know, as you said that it shares the whole challenges that we all facing, although we are from different cultures, but we all share the same challenges. Professor Solange Peters, the leader and the visionary president of the European Society of Medical Oncologists has the lecture, which representing the the importance of the international and local collaboration for better women oncologists improvement, their career, the standards, uh, as well as uh, they have very exclusive, dedicated uh, initiative about women for oncology. And the chair of this initiative, also uh, give very interesting talk about uh, the role of mentorship and sponsorship which is very very important and the distant mentorship which is the idea of Professor Giuti it's really amazing and matching with the challenges that we are facing now especially in our limited resources countries that we are uh, facing uh, challenges about gaining the visa to um, travel European countries, uh, the expenses of the visa and the travel, the challenges that that we cannot leave our families. So she has a very intelligent idea to start a very interesting initiative, which is the Distant Mentorship Program. And I would love to hear from her the details about this initiative. Uh, Also, we shared a lot of uh, interaction from the panelists from South America and uh, from uh, Gulf area that they would love to initiate also women for oncology locally in the countries uh, and they all agreed about um, having our own international day to document our success, to support each other um, and I can now leave the, the mic for Professor Giuti to share some of the challenges and the nice ideas that were discussed in the meeting over
1: to you indeed uh, i would say that uh, this was the uh, soul of the summit that uh, you know across the borders across the geographical borders the women in leadership positions women in science women in medicine women in oncology they face certain challenges which are global and if they are global why not to hold hand to each other and to support each other in this kind of forum so I happen to be part of European uh, you know Society of Medical Oncology core committee for women for oncology uh, forum as well as I started uh, in India uh, this kind of forum and then I extended it to star countries and also I'm privileged to uh, be a part of Society of Immunotherapy of Cancer that is SIDSI uh, Women Oncology Network so in bits and pieces I had connect with uh, different regions of Women in oncology, women in immune oncology, how they are facing challenges. And then I understand that, you know, wherever they are, whether this is a developed country or developing, there are certain things which are definitely common, there are certain things which are diverse. And then I thought perhaps if we bring everything under one umbrella and discuss out the challenges, also some people can provide some solutions because they are more experienced or they have risen a little, uh, little ahead of other women. Then it would be a great idea, and with this very uh, feeling, I uh, started working on that, and then I got Narmeen into the board, and I, I must say that she has tremendously supported my ideas, my vision, and even logistics. So then we put together, we uh, you know actually spread this voice, and everybody who we connected, they have given us a full heart, full soul support. And also because uh, then some influential leaders like uh, Solange and Pilar, they also come into the board. Similarly, Narjas Dhamma from uh, USA uh, and who not? You know, many, many other leaders, they all join the hands. Then it has given much more
0: impact. Today, we're talking to Dr. Joyti Bajpai, who is a professor of medical oncology at the Tata Memorial Center in Mumbai, India, and Dr. Namin Mustafa, who is a lecturer of clinical oncology and early detection at the Shams University in Cairo, Egypt. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. You have this tremendous international network of women coming together, bringing in their diverse ideas, the experiences that they witness on a day-to-day basis, and the issues that they are exposed to. Dr. Mustafa pointed out the value of mentorship and sponsorship as being a core highlight. Um, Dr. Bajpai, from your point of view, what would you say were were some of the, the core highlights as practical information, as tools to help women in their environment if you can give us a a few words right so first and foremost is the
1: sponsorship and mentorship I would uh, take few words on this because this uh, summit we actually envision that there should be a distant mentorship program which can be global and a digital platform we wish to keep the mentors and mentees list and which can be keep increasing and then there can be a matching kind of um, a mechanism wherein if mentors and mentee both agree on a certain ground, then perhaps there can be much formal holding. That is one.
0: On that note, can anybody join from an oncology point of view to engage with the GLOW society to participate either as a mentor or as a mentee?
1: Absolutely. So you know, uh, rather the full board, everybody agreed on that that they wish to participate, contribute within their limitations. Because some people are extremely busy. Some you know, so those those parts are different. But they agreed that this concept is very, very important to handhold the fellow woman colleagues to uh, to help them raising the letter. And uh, for example, you know, if somebody wants a two hours training to get a special skill or even uh, to get understand that how they can get a fellowship in some uh, developed country and some mentors ready and kind of little bit support then digitally you know without really need to travel etc and with very little logistics this can be done so this was our one of the main vision which uh, which is kind of getting into practicality and uh, everybody given their full support we are now trying to uh, you know explore means that how this can be logistically supported so that we can put it as a platform that was one another thing the networking so one of the important topic we kept is a networking because we strongly believe that if women they, they are having an opportunity you to know, network with each other uh, lots of uh, scopes and uh, avenues they get opened up So that was our second uh, important message. Third was how to survive in political world, because, you know, everybody is facing a little bit politics, whether they are an institution, whether they are in private world, whether they are working in an isolated one, but different kind of challenges. So we tried that they get some vision and some sort of support by examples that how they can
0: navigate if they found themselves in that Catch-22 position. Really important points that I think impact women across every sector of society. Politics exist everywhere. Networking, we are unfortunately not good networkers, and we really need to improve that skill. And having this value of bringing everybody together provides that platform and taking the notion of a virtual mentorship, which is wonderful. We can all connect. We live in a global world and we've got these digital platforms that can connect people from different countries to to one another. Dr. Mustafa, one thing I want to ask you, you spoke about poorer countries or underdeveloped countries, countries with fewer resources And especially we experience that from an African point of view. How do you see this as as an opportunity of being able to kind of bridge that gap of fewer resources, but still being able to engage and and live your best life as an oncologist?
2: Yes, you know, really, we have a very big problem that we don't have our own statistics, even in the cancer patients, in the oncologists. We don't have any statistics, you know. Professor Huthi gave me idea that we can do a survey in our country to know our statistics, to know our needs as Egyptian female oncologists. What are the challenges that we are facing? We are always extrapolating our problems from the Western studies. We don't have our studies. There is a clear and big need for this in our region. And that's what I was encouraged and I was so excited about it that this GLOWS Summit will be a a hub to connect different cultures, especially Asian and African oncologists. Really, when we synergize together, we have very, very, very potentialities. You know, we are always taking our information from the Western countries. We don't have our data, our studies, our work. And this is one of the, the most important uh, interest for me uh, to have our uh, data, to act as a hub, you know, even in Africa itself. West different than East, than North and South. When I Google the oncologists, I found a lot of marvelous work done in by the African oncologist, uh, especially in South Africa, Professor Georgia. In Kenya, I found a, a big society that they're doing a huge work, and this is the importance of such meetings, uh, such networking to um, collaborate together and definitely when we collaborate, we will do marvelous activities and efforts, which will improve ourselves as doctors and will be definitely reflected our patients and the care that they are
0: taken by us. So it's being able to give exposure to these pockets of excellence where research has been undertaken, where there is robust data specific to those particular regions. And if you're working on content that you know about, you're able to develop solutions. One thing that for me, a lot of a conversation has alluded to, but we haven't really addressed it, is, is about leadership. And I think that it is important to build female leadership, uh, to capacitate women. And one component which the the former president of Mauritius, Amina Gurub-Fakim, spoke about was rather than this idea of just women in leadership, she spoke about women in power and how that has uh, more of an impact on enabling other women across jurisdictions so if I can direct this question to you, Dr. Bajpai, as someone who is in leadership, someone who is coordinating these factors, how do you see female leadership or women in power within the, the medical arena?
1: Uh, I think this is tremendously important. And um, I would say that uh, people should learn from their their mistakes, their experiences, and then Uh, Devise a mechanism by which they can certainly support women leaders across the globe you know not only from your own country or region or institution across the globe if you find somebody with a capacity uh, you should try and support in your means definitely everybody is not having all sorts of means but uh, there are certainly ways uh, and means available where you can support so I I would give a very small example Uh, once you become Uh, little known in the field you get a lot of invitations to give a talk or you know present here somewhere etc and all of those invitations you're not able to accept so if you are not able to accept provide that voice and chance and stage to other women colleague rather than just leave it open so I'm doing that the thing which I'm not able to take I generally try to give three names, three women colleagues from across the regions, whosoever I feel appropriate, I give three names that if not one, then second, the third, You can and if everybody start doing uh, such things, perhaps we can really handhold. This is a small example, even if there is a trial, grant, positions, committees, wherever you have a say, you should try and uh, check that whether uh, in these uh, committees a woman representation is adequate or not. I'll give a brief example, you know, when. I tried to establish Immuno-Oncology Society in India and it was a Herculean task with lots of uh, hindrances, but finally I could do that. And definitely there was, uh, I need to go for support, a few people, some supported, some has given some other uh, kind of, uh, you know, whatever, but you learn from everybody and ultimately you could do that. And that was the first of its kind of society when the president and secretary both were women. So, and also we tried to, uh, you know, put that in executive committee, there should be a fair amount of representation. And in other societies also, um, wherever there is a say, I would say, People, people in leadership positions should try to do this. I would like to, uh, you know, put this on record that Solange Peters, who was an ESMO president, when she joined the ESMO, uh, I mean, again, even in ESMO, the, uh, it, there was a lot of skewing and she noticed that women leaders' representation is largely inadequate and she tried and bring those means wherein now ESMO is much more a balanced society. Uh, Also, she visioned for this Women for Oncology Forum under ESMO, and there is a lot of good activities which are taking place.
0: Such a relatively simple intervention of creating awareness, of simply putting women's names forward so that whoever is doing the selection, they have a selection of women's names to choose from to, to help drive that. And Dr. Mostafa, if I can turn to you, if you had a crystal ball. In your opinion, what do you think needs to be done to help ensure that women have a better future? You know,
2: (laughs) where there's a woman, there's always magic. You know, um, if I have this magical ball, definitely I would love to have, um, that we can all together power sharing men and women to eradicate cancer, to to help people, no one is suffering. This is my, my hopes. And we are all working together for this aim. We are working to improve our uh, situation so we can work in a better environment, so we can help more our patients
0: and definitely to cure our patients. That is the idea that if everybody works together, we're all moving forward in unity. And that's where we can solve and um, cure. No one is mm.
2: suffering. Yes, and we are. Yeah,
0: when we are all collaborating together, men and women, for better lives. Thanks for that feedback. And lastly, as we close out today's show, I'd, I'd like to ask you to convey a, a few words of inspiration or wisdom to women that are listening to us. And um, Dr. Mostafa, if you go first. I can say... Um... As I
2: said, where is the woman? There's always magic, you know. Woman has special touches in everything she do, at at home, at work, everywhere. We are special uh, creatures. We have our special magical touches. And women collaborating together, there will be a marvelous magical uh, effect.
0: Thank you. And Dr. Bajpai, last words from you.
1: So I would say that, uh, you know, women should believe in themselves. They should understand that we are biologically different than men. Don't try to be as, uh, just equal to men. We are different, but look for equal power. And uh, try to remove as much as possible the conscious and also subconscious biases. In my opinion, these subconscious biases are more dangerous. And the conscious, we can see them and uh, there is better way to dealt. with but the subconscious one, which you, which you are very subtle and you are not able to even see, so that how how can you fight with them? So try to work on those as well. Try to be as united as possible with your room and colleagues at all phases. Uh, there are leaders, there are leaders in different phases, and everybody can help you whether they are junior or senior, or they are at uh, your peer groups. And you know, there is a problem that many times people feel that women do not support the fellow woman. Why? Because there is very, there is uh, very less uh, opportunities for them. So uh, you know, many times we are taught that uh, you are the only one. So when uh, a woman feels that, oh, I'm the one and the, somebody else is coming, that will be a threat, then she doesn't want to support. So if that feeling of insecurity will go by our constant efforts, then uh, they start uh, doing the same. And you know nobody will come from uh, third world or somewhere else, but it is among ourselves we need to create this sense of security, sense of support to each other, and sense of responsibility towards each other. And then only we can grow together. We need to support our community. We are different for a similar kind of, uh, you know, situation when there is a man or a woman for similar kind of skills. Also, there are different reactions because we are biologically different. So let's accept that fact and move forward. Never
0: ever give up. There is no limit for what a woman can accomplish. Yes, seriously. Thank you for those great words of motivation, uh, combination of aspiration, combination of practicality. It's been a pleasure to host you both. And we wish you all the very best for the future of the next summit and the tremendous amount of work that has laid the foundation now to build on those women networks, to build on the mentorship programs and advance opportunities for women to navigate the political uh, challenges that they experience in a day-to-day basis in the workplace. So thanks very much for joining. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you very much indeed. It, uh, it was a great pleasure and we are hoping to have soon International Dedicated Women from Oncology Day. Let's see yeah thank
2: you so much thank you so much for everything and thank you so much for being the official media coverage for this summit and looking forward to see you in
0: person and be our voice for future glows as well. Thank you so much yeah. You have been listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, and we have been talking to Dr. Joyti Bajpai, who is a professor of medical oncology at the Tata Memorial Center in Mumbai, India, and Dr. Namin Mustafa, who is a lecturer of clinical oncology and early detection at the Shams University in Cairo, Egypt.